Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. If you could get hold of a Bible, please. Um, welcome to Rock Bottom, and welcome to those who are going to join us, uh, our worship family, uh, really, that is around the world that watches these teachings. And uh, this is one of my favorite things, actually, to do in life, is to start a new teaching series. And this is a new teaching series, and uh, we're going to be uh, tonight in uh, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrew is the language that the people of Israel speak. And just like the French, uh, the word French describes the language and the people. That's not true in every language or in every uh, uh, um, nationality. But um, the Hebrew people uh, are called that because they speak Hebrew, but they're also called um, uh, the Israelites because of the land uh, that they dwell in. The book of Hebrews is a very unusual book in the Bible. If you haven't found it yet, it's about three-quarters of the way through the New Testament. So Paul's letters and um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, that's the end of Paul, then Hebrews. It's one of the longest books in the New Testament. We don't know uh, who the author is. Um, I'm going to uh, skip a lot of the introductory comments because we are... I'm uh, not going to study the whole book of Hebrews. I've done that before. That teaching is at our website. Every single verse in the book of Hebrews, if you want to study it, it's all there. We spent a whole year uh, in uh, years gone by on the book of Hebrews. Like I said, it's all there. But uh, what we want to do in this series is we want to study. Um, what we want to do in this series is we want to study um, the greatest passages in the scriptures uh, related to the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, if I could be so bold as to say, some of us who are involved in uh, the sobriety community, um, I understand why the Blue Book says, you know, God as you know him. I think that's a great way to help people get forward with sobriety. But that isn't a very good way to know God. And uh, if you've ever, for example, been in love, I'll have been married for 40 years this coming a summer, and I wouldn't want someone to say, you know, your wife as you know her. It's, I mean, there's just one person that that's who it is. It's not, you know, um, I think you wouldn't allow someone to say, well, you know, your kids. I mean, those are kids. Can't they be your kids? I mean, are, is anybody okay with that? If you just switch out your kids? I mean, your kids are your kids, right? And in the same way, um, but in a much more significant way, there is only one true God. There are not five gods, there are not ten gods. You can't make up God. It doesn't matter, honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter what you think in your heart. And if you think that the case for Islam and the case for Hinduism and the case for uh, Christianity are the same thing, it's only because you've never studied it. It's the only reason you could ever think that. And uh, so rather than say more on that subject, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take the subject of Jesus Christ and I'd like to put it on the scales. In fact, this series, as you can see here, is called Worthy. Now, the word worthy is a really, really, really interesting word. You, we will sometimes say, well, you know, I spent $100 on those tickets, but it wasn't really, what? Worth it. What we're saying is, what I got did not measure up to what it cost. Now, in the same way, the word worthy in the Bible 
Let me get, just read to you, for example, from, you don't have to turn there, but in the last book in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 4, uh, it describes a scene in heaven where it says, Worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Later on it says, Worthy are you to open the scrolls and to open its seals. This is God's final revelation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. It's a, it's a takedown on uh, our word, worth it. And the, the history of the word worthy, which is very important because it's the title of our series, is this would be uh, just a little mock-up uh, that uh, Kathy picked up for me. But it's, um, it's the idea of weights on a scale. And you'd go into a marketplace and they would have uh, measured weights on this size, you know, a pound, five pounds, ten pounds. And then they would put the product, be it produce or meat or something on this side. Now, we all know about the uh, butcher who kind of puts his finger on this side and then charges you more. And actually, the book of Proverbs says that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. And so this is a very, very historic way of measuring up commodities. And I mention it for this reason. The word worthy, like I said, rooted in our word worth it, very similar um, etymology to those two words, is that if something is worthy, it means no matter how much you put on this side of the scale, it always measures up. You can't outdo it. No matter how much you put here, this is enough. And when the Bible says, and it only says it of Jesus Christ, when the Bible says that he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy, it's saying no matter how many descriptive, appreciative, delighted, satisfied, biblical, from God terms we put on this side, it's not too much. It's not too much. Double it. Multiply it by 10. The cacophony of worship coming from the totality of humanity is but a whisper as it relates to the all-surpassing sufficiency of Jesus Christ and who he actually is. Now, nothing worse than the preacher who tries to cultivate in your minds through his own words that understanding. And that's why I had you turn to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to go cruising through this passage, and then next week, and God willing, the week after, and God willing, the week after that. Everybody say, God willing. willing. Yeah, and God willing, the week after that, we're going to continue to cruise through uh, really what are the greatest passages um, describing Jesus Christ in all of God's Word. And if you're one of those people who is, I like God, I'm not as impressed with Jesus Christ, it's because you haven't done what we're about to do. And this truly can be life-changing, life-changing, uh, experience for you. So, with that, I'm going to take off my hat that I forgot I was wearing, and forgive me, and we're going to go to um, Hebrews chapter 1, and if you're ready to jump in, say jump. jump. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 1, let me read uh, the first verse. It says this, a God, a long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Now let's put up the title off the scripture for just a moment and up the title for the message this week. Do you have that? That's the title of the series, Worthy. And what did I call out was the title of the series this week? Share what I say it was. Worthy of our attention. 
So th what I'm going to teach you this week is, is that not Netflix, not your next financial crisis, not your biggest burden at the moment, though Jesus Christ is far superior to that. He is worthy of your attention. He is worthy of your attention. The time that you're going to give, thank you for coming, in these sessions to learn more about how awesome Jesus Christ is and to ask yourself the question, why have I not been more captured by the awesomeness of who He is? Why have other things, why have trinkets taken my time and attention when Jesus Christ really is worthy of all the attention I would give Him? That's what this is about, worthy of our attention. And so back to the scripture that was up in front of us. Long ago at many times and in many ways, look at your scripture too. Thanks for having it open. I appreciate seeing all of you with your Bibles open. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, just a couple of comments on these phrases that we see here. Maybe start with this. Um, God speaks. God speaks. How dark would be the darkness in the world if the God who made us did not speak? And you understand that that was the faith of the fathers of many in our country, right? Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, they believed in what's called deism. They believed that God created and then withdrew. He just kind of set the world in motion and he pulled back. Benjamin Franklin believed that, as I said. And, and, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Not that God is some uh, disinterested, sort of passive parent, not at all. The Bible teaches that God is very, very attentive. It says things, for example, like he knows the number of hairs on our head. For some of us, he's keeping a running count as that uh, has been uh, easier and easier to keep track of through the years. Um, the Bible says that he saves our tears in a bottle, which is, of course, metaphoric for God is aware of every tear that has fallen out of your eye onto your cheek. None of it has missed his notice. We are never far from his gaze. And so this idea that not only is he aware, but that he speaks again, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, this is certainly true, God speaks. And um, so God has always spoken. He walked in the Garden of Eden with uh, Adam and with Eve, and he walked with them and he talked to them. Um, notice it says that many times, not just in Eden, God talked to Cain and Abel. God talked to Noah. God talked to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The stories of the Bible are the stories of God speaking. You are in a universe, in a solar system, on a planet God created, and God speaks on his planet. Now notice it says in the text, in many ways. Notice it says here, do you see that? That in many ways God has spoken. And um, um, Samuel was a little boy in the temple, and he heard a voice, and he woke up. What was that? And he ran in uh, to uh, his uh, mentor, Eli, who was the priest in the temple, did you say something? No, no. Sends him back to bed. He hears the voice again, runs in, says, who was that? What was that? No, no. Comes in a third time. What was that? And finally he says to him, you know what? If you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Sometimes God speaks directly. Sometimes God speaks as to Daniel in a vision. Sometimes as to Joseph in a dream. Sometimes as to Lot and Jacob through angels. But the more common way that God speaks, by far the more common way, is God has spoken to our fathers by the, next word, say it, prophets. 
by the prophets. Now, uh, the prophets is a reference to God's spokesmen, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, and so on. But actually, uh, the term prophets is a reference to Scripture. Over and over and over, uh, it says that Jesus expounded from the law and the prophets. Those were terms that were used to describe the books of the Old Testament. And so the most common ways that God speaks is through His Word. If I could give you one gift tonight, I would give you a higher view of Scripture. Someone here may have a very, very, very high view of Scripture already. But I would give you a higher view of it. Because through the Scriptures, God speaks to us. And through God speaking to us, our lives are actually transformed. So that's the first thing in the text. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke. Everyone say, God spoke. Then notice this. Um, God speaks. Secondly, God speaks personally in Christ. And that's getting us into our worthy theme. Notice, but in these last days, which is kind of a funny thing, okay? So people see that and they say, in these last days, like, oh, were they ever, those apostles, they thought they were living in the last days. Man, were they ever mistaken? That's over 2,000 years ago now. Boy, those guys couldn't have been any more. Well, that's, you just don't understand the term, okay? It was 2,000 years, roughly, from Adam to the time following Noah. It was about 1,500 years from uh, Moses to the time of Christ. It's only been about 2,000 years now from the time of Christ until today. I don't believe that the world's billions and billions of years old. I don't believe that. I know some people believe that. I don't believe that. And I believe that the earth was created with the age of appearance. Not to confuse us, but just like, you know, you understand that a man... Um, who is a college student, a man who's a college student. Does a man who's a, come on in, we're glad you're here, come on in. Does a man who's a college student um, have, a little personal, but it's okay. Does a man who is a college student have hair under his arms? Right? Uh, does a woman who is a college student have a different shape than um, an eight-year-old girl? Yes? Okay. So that's the appearance of age. Adam and Eve were made as adults. The years that they had lived were present in them on the day. So they, they appeared as though they had gone through those phases, but they hadn't. God created them as adults. And it's the same with the trees. If you'd cut down a tree in the Garden of Eden, you would have found that it had the rings there. Just like Adam had the evidence of being a man, not a boy. And Eve had the evidence of being a woman, not a little girl. The trees had the evidence of being full-grown trees and not little trees. And the mountains had the evidence of, and the structures in the world had the evidence of being fully mature, not just little children. And this is what has confused the sciences, as the scripture says, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so I believe that the earth itself is six or 7,000 years old only. And um, all of the rest can be accounted for through special creation. I'll get to that in a moment. Let's go back to the text again where it says, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets in these last days. So you got to hear this. We're living in the last days. We're living in the last, last days. No one has had more reason than we have on planet Earth in this year 
to believe that Christ could come back at any moment. And if you think of the roughly two years from Adam to Egypt and the roughly 2,000 years from Egypt to Jesus and the roughly 2,000 years from Jesus today, and you think about sixes and sevens in the Bible, we're about at the end of six, y'all, and on the seventh, he rests. Then there's a thousand-year kingdom that's still coming. I mean, we are on the precipice of the end of it all. And don't lay in bed and think you've got another round of addiction and everything will be fine. There's plenty of time to sort it out. Don't sit and think to yourself, well, I've got all the time in the world. I'll just figure it out a little bit later on. Time is about to run out, y'all. And the Bible teaches, Hebrews 9:27, it is appointed unto man once to die, after this comes judgment. You don't get a second play. There's no going back to home plate. There's not, I'll get my average up when I get an easier pitcher next week. That's not the way it works. You get one trip to the plate. You get one time around this thing called earth. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this comes judgment. So we are in the last days. All of that is honestly introductory to this thing that I kind of was pretty excited to get to talk about. God's spoken in a lot of ways through a lot of people, through a lot of years. But now he has spoken to us by his, say it, by his son. God, the Father, the creator of the universe, is speaking now in these last days to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, just like if you were going to get some counseling, you would want to know the credentials of your counselor, just like if you were going to hire an attorney, you'd want to look online and see what their rating was. Just like if you're nowadays, if you're going to order a pizza, you want to find out what the previous customers have to say about it. Those are silly examples. But what the writer of Scripture is asserting here is that Jesus Christ is worthy of your attention and that everything that God the Father, the creator of the universe, wants you to know, he has said in his Son Jesus Christ. You're like, Meh. He's like, all right, then let's roll out the resume. Ready to roll out the resume? Here it comes. So, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Tell me about this son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. That's, that's an in incredible, incredible assertion. Whom he has appointed the heir of all things. Notice it says uh, in the text, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So let's look now and see um, uh, in particular what we have uh, in the text about that, okay? Um, God speaks. God speaks personally in Jesus Christ, the Son. By the way, let me say in regard to the Son, how many people here have a Son? It's a blessing to have a son. I mean, if I had to pick, I'd take daughters for sure. My daughter Abby's about to have um, her, so I have two daughter-in-laws and one daughter. Both of my daughter-in-laws have given me a granddaughter. They're amazing. Now my own daughter is about to give me a daughter. I think I'm just going to give her everything. So daughters are great. But sons, in a completely different way, are just as great. There's something incredible about sons. This is my uh, oldest son, uh, Luke. Here's a picture of him. He is uh, an incredible, incredible man. He turns 
37 next month. And uh, I was thinking today about the time when he was a freshman in college and he was driving up to our church's camp in Michigan and he got one of his tires off the road and his vehicle flipped over three times and uh, he broke his neck and I got the phone call, you never want to get, to rush to the hospital, and there he was covered down to the waist in blood, and you have these vertebrae that go down your back, and the third one um, has a little appendage that sticks up. That's what your head turns around, and in Luke's case, that appendage was broken right off, completely severed. That's what normally hits the spinal cord and causes a paralysis or death, and in his case, he had, really, it's miraculous, he had what was called a non-displaced fracture. Can you imagine? Completely broken off, but entirely held in place. And so we came very close to losing our son. It was very traumatic for me because at that same exact time, um, one of my closest friends, whose name I won't uh, give, but one of my closest friends at the time, uh, his son had died of a uh, swimming accident up in Wisconsin. And he just was up on that... Uh, can't remember the exact name of the place they were, but um, one of those campgrounds way up in Wisconsin, and they were jumping off cliffs, and he went under the water, and they were on a rafting trip, and they didn't notice he wasn't with them, and like three hours later, they get to the bottom of the river, he's not there, and they think he got the wind knocked out of him and fell under the water and just never came up, and I was there when his parents heard the news that he had died. I was in the room with them, and I was there when uh, his body came back, at the funeral home with his parents and there's just the sobbing and uh, at the time when all of that happened I I wrote a poem about um, it's a little too personal to share here but maybe I'll post it online but I wrote a poem about what it means to lose a son there's just something very 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 special about a son and having a son and there's just something very, very special about a son. So when God the Father decided to communicate to us his significant love for us, he chose son to communicate that. Hands up again, who has a son? So God chose to communicate what he wants us to know by revealing the second person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity is revealed as Son. It's very personal. Do you agree that a Son is very personal? So God speaks. God speaks to us personally in Christ. Then this, God speaks to us powerfully in Christ. Powerfully in Christ. Back to the text that we were looking at. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. That's personal whom he appointed the heir of all things, heir of all things. What that means is, is all that God wants to say in the world, all that God wants to do in the world, all that God wants to do in you in the world is coming through the Son, Jesus Christ, all right? Everything God the Father wants to give to you, he has given it all to his Son. He is the heir of all things. I mean, is everybody in the will? No, everybody's not in the will. Jesus Christ gets everything. But the awesome thing, I have to just tell you this because I've been reading the whole Bible. There's another place in the scriptures where it says that we are joint heirs with Christ. Isn't that remarkable? That through faith in Jesus, we're joint heirs. We're, we're in on the whole thing if you're on good terms with him. Okay? Because he is the heir of all things 
through whom also he, that's referring back to uh, God, so he has appointed his son, whom he appointed, God the Father is the he, made Jesus the heir of all things, through whom he, God the Father, created the world. God the Father created the world through who? Tell me. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we'll study, we'll spend a whole week on uh, that in the upcoming, but I'll just say a couple things about it now. Um, John chapter 3, the Gospels, uh, John chapter 1, verse 3 says that um, all things were created by him. Yeah, John uh, chapter 3, actually, uh, I'm going to turn to it because I don't want to misquote it. That's a little preacher moment if you want to understand preachers. I think that I can call it to mind. And then if I ever can't call it to mind, I'm, like, I'm just not, I'm going to turn there because I don't ever want to misquote God's word to you. So I turned over to it right here. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. I want you to think about that for a minute. If you never knew that, you know it now. Jesus Christ. All things were created through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Did he make the tree out in front of the front porch where you guys go out? Did he make that tree? Did he? Did he make the sun that's shining through that tree? Did he make the stars, the, the planets that we see? Did he make the ocean? Did he make the mountains? Did he make the animal king? He made it all. He made it all. Jesus Christ, he's worthy. You can't give him too much praise. You can't think too highly of him. No matter how much you put on this side of the scale, he is, say it, he's worthy. He's worthy of that. And so here we see it. Through him also he created the world. I love that. God speaks so powerfully in Christ. You know, man, we think, well, you know, our science, we're just learning so much. I really kind of like to mock science sometimes. I'm, it's, I think science has done great things, right? When you just think about what we have medically. Nick had a fall this week. If that had happened 10 years ago, he'd be dead. Well, maybe not that bad, but how many people have had something happen in their life? I had prostate cancer twice. I would be dead already. I mean, just think about the world that we live in, the scientific advances. I'm not against science. I'm just against science being against God. That's what I'm against. And so it's such an awesome thing. Do you know, for example, they've been, for years now, I'll give you a couple of specific examples. In the 1960s, in the Pacific Ocean, off the coast of Mexico, they decided that they were going to drill to the center of the earth. Do you know how far it is to the center of the earth? I was working on this so I could just tell you. 3,959 miles to the center of the earth. 3,959 miles to the center of the earth. They drilled down 17,000 feet. And um, they took samples and they found out that um, nothing that they thought they would find did they find. In the 1970s, the Russians um, did a similar project and um, in, on the Russian peninsula near Finland, and uh, they spent uh, 19 years on it. Their goal was to get to the center of the earth, 3,959 miles. They gave up at, well, they were pretty powerful back then, so they probably got pretty far, right? They're going to get to the center of the earth. They put all of the, when Russia was so big, the USSR, after 19 years, they got 7.6 miles down, all right? 
That's like if the earth was an apple, they barely broke through the skin, okay? And man walks around like this arrogance, like they have the whole universe somehow actually figured out. Consider the vastness of the universe. You can fit 1.2 million planet Earths inside our own sun. Just think about that. 1.2 million of those it would take. Remember those little tests you do at the store where you're going to count the jelly beans in the jar? All right, but not jelly beans, planet Earths. 1.2 million to fill the sun. There would be room for 4.3 million moons inside the sun. 500, diameter 565,000 miles. And then um, the nearest... Um, our galaxy is called Alpha Centauri, which is made up of multiple suns, or really stars. And um, the, the nearest uh, sun to us, Alpha Centauri, is five times the size of our own sun. And Betelgeuse, one of the larger ones in our um, galaxy, is 250 million miles across. If that's not blowing your mind, it must be, you know, kind of unplugged. And yet the scripture says that Jesus Christ, you see it here in the text? Let's go to verse 3. I'll come back to the first part in a minute. Do you have the next verses or no? It says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That there is actually, Jesus Christ is this moment sustaining the universe. Sustaining the universe. Do you know that if the earth spun, true, true, you can Google it later. If the earth spun just a little bit slower, life on earth would not be possible. If the earth spun a little bit faster, life would not be possible. And life is winding down. Every year the earth spins just a tiny bit slower, like someone spun it. And when it gets too slow, he's going to end it, all right? That's reality. And, and um, I find some of these statistics about the universe actually interesting. Do you know that the Earth is at a 23-degree uh, angle? And because of that, if it was just a little more straight up, we'd be frozen. If it was a little bit more tilted toward the sun, we'd be incinerated. It's just, someone say perfect. perfect. It's just perfect, like someone made it, like... You would never look at a watch and think there wasn't a watchmaker, but somehow people look at the universe and think, nice, explosion. It actually literally doesn't really even make any <laughs> rational sense. I showed you last time how uh, the Bible teaches that we suppress the truth about God and unrighteousness because we don't want the accountability. We're only ha too happy to read a science textbook that tells us it all came from nothing. I can do, you know, whatever I want. If the moon were just a little further away from the earth, the entire planet would flood. It's the moon that keeps the tides. The tide comes in, but the earth spins, and the moon causes the tide to go back out again. If the moon were to somehow move out of its place, if it were struck by an asteroid so that it were jarred further away from earth into space, the, I mean, you talk about a tsunami. I mean, the, the whole thing would be just completely under the ocean immediately. And that's why it's so awesome when it says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. All of this is a delicate choreography that is mind-blowing. And Jesus Christ is sustaining it all 
And God speaks through this son. God speaks powerfully in Christ. Notice this also at the beginning of verse 3. I skipped over it. God speaks precisely in Christ. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. The Son is. He is the radiance of the glory of God. I got to say that uh, good sons, and we've all had our bad moments. Everybody, hands up if you've had your bad moments. But, but men, when we're good sons and make our parents proud, um, those are great moments. And uh, today I was so proud of my uh, third oldest grandson, Luke's second son, Reed. We were, they were in a football playoff game. They had finished, they won a game last week to finish in sixth place, and they just made the playoffs. They were playing a team that was undefeated. Some of us rode into the game, and he, he's the quarterback. And you know, the quarterback has to throw the hail what? Hail Mary, when it's down to the wire, and they off, most times they get intercepted, and it was down to the wire. There was 10 seconds left in the first half. He threw the pass. They got picked off, and the guy started running down the sideline. It was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And out of the crowd comes the quarterback. You know how far away he is throwing to the sideline. And he starts chasing the kid. But I was watching it because they were way down on the other team's 20 to the 30, to the 40, to the 50. He's not catching them. To the 40, to the 30. I was like, he's going to stop and quit. You see them do it all the time. They're just like, I can't catch him. Chased him all the way down. Apparently, the kid got tired because... The 20, the 15, the 10, he tackled them at the two-yard line and saved the touchdown. And the time had already run out of the clock. The clock ran out during the play. I got to say, I was really proud of him for going after that and not um, giving up. We're so uh, human and so imperfect, but God knew what he was doing when he revealed to us this father-son relationship within the Trinity. And when it says that, let's go to the other verses. We don't need to come back to these anymore at all. Where it says he upholds the universe. Where's the one? Forgive me. It is the one before. Forgive me. I was wrong. Forgive me. Through also he created the world. And it says about Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is what glows about the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the light that we see. He is the radiance of the glory of God. I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ is the only God you will ever see. John 1.18 says, No one has seen the Father at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. All right? Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. And he is the exact imprint. This word imprint here is the idea of a signet ring that is cast and carefully cut, if you know anything about tool and die. And it is carefully, intricately measured so that the mark on the paper or the mark in the clay is perfect and precise. Jesus isn't in the ballpark of what God the Father and God the Spirit want you to know. Jesus is the exact, precise representation of God the Father. And so the point, God speaks precisely in Christ. Let's review. God speaks, that's awesome by itself. God speaks personally in Christ. He's a son. God speaks powerfully in Christ. He created the world. God speaks precisely in Christ. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact imprint of his nature. Then this in verse 3, 
God speaks precisely in Christ. Precisely in Christ. I should have said that, but I've already gone over it. That's the exact imprint of his nature part. What question about God is not answered in Jesus Christ? Well, um, what do you think about suffering? Jesus Christ taught it's necessary. And I went through it. And I will go through it with you. What do you think about sin? It's serious and has to be dealt with. And it can destroy everything. What do you think about religion? It's worthless. And it must be opposed and replaced with sincere love of God. What do you think about hypocrisy? It's the greatest wickedness. And it deceives many. What do you think about people? I love them. I weep for them. I gave my life to pay for their forgiveness before my father. I came into the world for them. Which gets to the final phrase and maybe the most wonderful phrase. Um, actually, two more and then I'm done. God speaks profitably in Christ. God speaks profitably in Christ. That's where it says at the end of verse 3. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's take those two phrases. After making purification for sin. Do you know what that's referencing? That's referencing the cross. That's what was happening on the cross. A holy God demands that sin be paid for. If I went to the cross or you went to the cross, we'd only be paying for our own sins. So instead, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world. God loves the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so Jesus made once for all purification for sin. The book of Hebrews says it over and over, once for all. Once for all, some of you that have a new Bible, if you're looking for a project, read the book of Hebrews this week. It's not that long. You could do it probably in 40 minutes. And see how many times it says that Jesus made sacrifice for sin once for all and sat down. In the Old Testament, the priests were never allowed to sit down in the temple. There were no seats. You don't sit down. Why? Because the work of taking care of sin is never done. People are sinning right now. We're sinning all the time in our thoughts and in our actions and in our attitudes. And they were always offering animals as a sacrifice for sin. But when Jesus appeared on the scene, John the Baptist, who came before him, looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One final sacrifice for sin. And when he made that final payment for sin, it says that he, notice the phrase, after making purification for sin. Where would the world be if payment for sin had not been made? How many of you were here for the messages on heaven and hell? Most of you were. Mike, you've been awesome. You've been here like every week. I love that. You, I really love you for that. And heaven and hell, heaven and hell, heaven and hell. There would only be hell, no heaven, if it weren't for Jesus Christ. God speaks profitably in Christ. He made purification for sin, and this is the end. God speaks permanently in Christ. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
Why can Jesus sit down? He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, the Bible says. And why did he sit down? He sat down because his work of payment for sin is done. It's finished. And through faith in Jesus, many people prayed with me a couple of weeks ago, and through faith in Jesus, our sins are completely and totally forgiven. And so that's just the beginning of the series. I, had, uh, I was ambitious to get through more than I was able to get through, but we will go back to Hebrews next time we're here and finish the rest of the verses down through verse 14. There's some incredible, incredible scriptures coming up about more things that he says about Jesus Christ. If he is God, if he is the one that we're going to give our lives to, then it should be no matter how much praise and worship we put on this side, he is what? Say it. Worthy. He's worthy of all of it. He's worthy. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, time to be in your word. Thank you for these uh, hungry hearts and for the privilege of talking to them about what you say in your word. I pray that you would bless the ones here whose hearts are heavy with a sense of your strength. I pray that you would bless the ones here whose um, hearts are fearful with a sense of your peace. I pray that you would help the ones here who are weary, that you would give them fresh strength. I pray again that you would cause this uh, property and this place to be a place of freedom, a place of joy, a place of increased victory in Christ. And I pray that you would do these things uh, here and get great glory for yourself through it. And we consider it a great uh, honor and uh, privilege to proclaim how worthy Jesus Christ really is. And we pray in his name. Amen. 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 So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's Word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.